Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the Oilfield Basics Discover Podcast, where we try to learn something new about our incredible industry on every single episode. This is episode number 19, so it's hard to believe we are almost 20. We are just just one away from hitting that benchmark. Uh, we've had all kinds of all kinds of topics on this show. Uh, today is going to be a little bit different. Today I'm going to be talking about and just kind of updating on you on where we're at Oilfield Basics wise and kind of what to expect from us coming up in the in the future, the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of months even. So we're going to be going over that to begin with. And then um, I'm actually going to be talking about some of the things that I've recently uh, rekindled back to mind uh, regarding some workover operations. So it's been a little bit difficult to schedule everybody right now with uh, everything going on to schedule guests and with the holidays and Memorial Day. And hopefully everybody had a great Memorial Day. Um, but, you know, so it's been a little bit difficult. So I'm going to do a kind of a shorter version episode uh, here today where we got to go over those updates and then also just some uh, interesting perspectives on workover. And if you, if you know, if you work on workovers, if that's your life, there'll probably be nothing new <laughs> that I can teach you on this realm. But if that, that is something, you know, a different part of the industry that you're not as so much familiar with, then I think you'll find a lot of the things uh, that, I've, that I've written down here to, to talk to you guys about, I think you'll find them to be beneficial. So stick around uh, for that. But like I said, you know, we, we've had a lot of neat episodes and I encourage you, especially if you are t- new to the show, to go back and listen to some of these these old episodes. And if you're not too familiar with Olfo Basics and all of our mission, you're going to get a good taste of it here this uh, today on this, this episode. But, you know, go back to our episode zero where Sebastian and I talk a lot about, you know, why we started the company, more of our, our long-term visions and where the podcast fits into all that and everything else that we're trying to do along the way. But, you know, we've covered everything from MWD to, you know, uh, things on, on the frack to even land topics. Uh, we've talked, we've even done site security and heard some <laughs> very, very cool, interesting stories on, on that end. And we've had, you know, very specific topics like, like pipe recovery, literally walking us through how they recover pipe, uh, you know, stuck pipe in a well, um, and, and even through fishing most recently. And then the last episode we just did was, you know, the life of the reservoir. So getting a more of an understanding and appreciation for the reservoir throughout its its entire life cycle, basically clear from exploration through development and then enhanced recovery. So lots and lots of topics that we've covered. Like I said, this is episode number 19. So lots of topics to hit on. If you guys haven't went back and, and listened to them already, please uh, be sure to do that. Uh, lots, lots to learn there. But like I said, so kind of getting into update-wise on on Oilfield Basics, I appreciate everybody's patience with us on our release schedule, especially over the last couple of weeks. Basically, since <laughs> basically since I've, I graduated college, uh, things have been pretty crazy. Uh, the college, at least, the thing about college in the last year, um, when we started the podcast and everything, everything in that time frame and all that framework literally you know i got schedule everything around you know known class times and everything like that uh right now what i'm in is basically a transition period uh so basically that transition between college and starting the, the full-time career and of course for me that's in a different state as well so that comes with its own challenges and also trying to <laughs> set aside family time and, and playing around everybody else's schedule so it makes it a little bit hard to schedule interviews um but as i'll get to here in just a minute uh Things are looking way more promising in the next <laughs> the few ne- next few weeks in terms of release dates for this podcast, especially. But you know, lots of things have been going on. You know, planning for the move, um, purchase purchased a used vehicle. And one of the things I didn't realize with that is the fact that you know, basically the first month <laughs> you need to expect to spend that first month working out the bugs. And you know, I, I, I was I would say I was pretty well educated. On you know the vehicle that I was that I was that I looked at and eventually bought, you know I've been watching videos and stuff on it uh, for years. You know the reviews of it and all the features and literally everything. So I inspected the the vehicle pretty <laughs> thoroughly, but you know all the little things and you know just the vehicles you know that haven't been driven for a little while. Just little things you know going that you know, just need. Need a little bit of a repair, but you know, <laughs> you, all the logistics come with that, and taking it back to a shop, or you know, getting that diagnosed and everything. So that's that's been a, a big thing. And, it, and the vehicle I ended up getting it was a Ford. So you know, the fix or repair daily thing is holding true so far. I was uh, I have been a Chevy fan. Uh, I've had a Chevy truck basically since I started driving. So <laughs> the the switch to Ford is kind of biting me at the moment. But uh, <laughs> anyways, I probably don't want to anger uh, anger half my listeners. Here. Here, so I'll move on, <laughs> but uh, you know, that's been going on. And uh, also, one thing 
in terms of Wolf of Basics, you know, we've had you know lots of things uh, are are continuing to be in the works. Uh, we have a you know managed pressure drilling live event uh, that we're going to be hosting here next week, uh, and I'm going to talk more about the specifics of that and what all that will cover here in, in, in just a few minutes. But you know that that's one thing we got going on uh, Wolf of Basics wise, and also um, one of the the issues that we've encountered, or a couple of the <laughs> a couple of the issues we've encountered over the last couple of weeks, has even you know, just been you know, just the smallest, or well, small things, but with big impacts. Uh, we've had you know uh, last episode or two, I mentioned our website uh, was uh, giving us issues. <laughs> well, that's thankfully all cleared up, but of course you know and it, it's secure and you know a, a long term solution is in place now to prevent uh, something like that from happening again. Um, but with that comes our site is slowed down now, so that <laughs> brings its own challenges that we have to figure out how we can speed that back up and, and maintain security at the same time. Um, so you know things like that, and then uh, video corruption I've mentioned uh, in the past. So a couple setbacks uh, there are you know kind of hindering us to be as active as we would like on the content side. Uh, but you know all of that hopefully uh, has a more promising outlook here once I get settled in to Colorado and also once Sebastian gets settled in with his uh, his internship uh, his internship in Houston. So we're working remotely now for pretty much the not, not quite the first time, but for the first time when we're trying to actually produce all this content. So it's a little bit of a learning curve for all of us. Um, so I appreciate you, you, everybody's patience <laughs> with that, you guys' patience with us in, in creating the content and trying to stick to that the schedule of releasing two a week. We knew from the beginning that that was pretty. Um, intense, you know, intense to, to actually carry through. Uh, some other fellow podcasters even told us that. Uh, and we're still confident that, you know, we can do that in the future. But for right now, we're probably going to stick with uh, uh, one podcast per week um, to, to help just for so it can be stable for the next few weeks. And uh, what I actually did uh, today, actually, or well, when you listen to this, will be yesterday. I posted on LinkedIn, you know, trying to get people, anybody who had an interest to um, do some podcast episodes with us and what it amounts to is roughly at least 15 eager <laughs> people who have reached out to us so we've definitely uh, definitely not uh, lacking content in the future so d no concern there <laughs> it's all just the logistics of, of scheduling everybody um but you know, we're probably gonna like i said drop it to one a week uh for the next couple weeks to see where we're at uh get me out to colorado because what, what happens i'd rather Instead of trying to stick with you know two podcasts a week and then cut it down and you know not have you know go one week with nothing, um, you know I, I would rather do it one a week and what it looks like in the next over the next week, um, I'm probably going to be recording goodness multiple if not even have a whole month ready to release so that'll put me a, a little ways ahead and then like I said we'll reevaluate <laughs> um, and try to get something you know very uh, try to get on a schedule again and and create uh, help help the content to be very. Uh, regular in terms of its schedule. So things to look forward to in the future. And like I said, I appreciate your guys' uh, patience with that. Um, <laughs> this is all a big learning experience for us. And, and also going in, uh, another topic that I want to hit on in terms of an update, I just got to talk about a little bit about contributing. Um, and this is something that, you know, like I said, uh, I did that LinkedIn post and we roughly have, you know, <laughs> 15 people who reached out to me in just one day or less than one day, really, uh, saying that they're eager uh, and, and willing to help, you know, share their little tidbit of the industry. But that's something I want to encourage you guys to do also as listeners. So you guys as listeners are familiar uh, with the types of guests that we've had on this podcast and you're familiar with what we're trying to do. I mean, I would encourage you guys, you know, if you're interested in sharing your perspective of the industry to reach out to me as well um, and we'll get you on the schedule. You know, we're looking for specifically on the, on the podcast realm, you know, the, the main purpose of this is, you know, is trying to share, you know, a little bit of your knowledge um, with our fellow industry members. And, you know, it can reach beyond that and we can get some people who are not in the industry or some people who are trying to come into the industry. We have a little bit of all of those. Um, but, you know, specifically just trying to share your knowledge with others across our industry and helping to educate each other. So, you know, whether it's something as simple as, you know, sharing your perspective, um, great example would be the, the site security that we had, the guest on the talked about site security. I, have, I, did, I had no idea all of the things that they have their hands on and everything that they coordinate on site, all of the little things that they check when you're coming in and off site. I had no idea. 
so you know, even something like that, just sharing your perspective, helping others have an appreciation for what you do and a greater understanding. You know, if, if that's something that they're going to eventually coordinate or try to hire, you know, someone to do that type of service, now they have a greater idea of the types of conversations they need to have with you, and also the you know those expectations, and also you know even just sharing you know information on a specific process, um, a tool. Uh, a great example would be, you know, the pipe recovery episode that we had, and I mentioned earlier in this episode, and also the, the fishing episode. You know, th- those are pr- relatively specific topics, and to some extent, MWD too. But that's also kind of a broad topic. So broad topics work too. Now uh, we've also had finance on land and, and reservoir. Those have all been uh, thus far on the show. They've been pretty broad, uh, but that works just as well as a specific process. So I mean, we've all got some form of you know <laughs> knowledge, something that we can share. With each other, because I mean, you know, one of the first things I was told in coming in this or in, into the industry is that you'll never learn it all. And if someone says they know it all, you know they're clearly lying to you and don't tr- don't trust them. And that's that's incredibly true. We can go you know our entire career and still just the the amount that we know compared to the vastness of the entire industry is so minuscule. So there's a lot of stuff to be shared. And you know the last thing I want to mention um, in terms of kind of helping to stir your mind of, of different topics and stuff is just informational projects, uh, technology, you know, things you've been working on, um, helping to educate others on, you know, what has become your experience uh, or your expertise even. So cool projects. Uh, one of the things that I'd like to eventually see kind of Oilfo Basics push for more, especially on the video side, you know, whenever we have some type of very technical work, uh, you're trying to get your word out about a product or something like that. And so typically the, the go-to is going to be an SPE paper. And you know, love SPE, it's a great organization, and, 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 all, and, and th- those papers definitely have their place. But there's a lot of us, really even including me, even with engineering background, that, that don't learn that way or don't like to learn that way. And that's where I think things like this type of material, these podcasts, and especially videos, can go even further. So Keep that in mind um, as we, as you know, as you continue your your day to day job, and see if there's any crossover to where you know we could uh, help get some content off of you uh, personally or even your company. Uh, and one of the things I want to leave to uh, in terms of this update before we move on is you know just our, our desire to go big. Um, I was talking to somebody today specifically about uh, professional video uh, in in our industry and. You know whether you want to look at it from the professional video eye or even stuff like we do that's a little bit more kind of like of a, of a personal vlog kind of deal, uh, where it's not as professional. It's more like almost like you're literally there on site. It's not as edited. It's more uh, raw, uh, true to actual experience. Um, regardless of which portion of video, you know that's the, the demand for video and the demand to learn that you know, uh, visually is not going to go away in our industry and it's going to continue to get bigger. And I'm hoping the OFO basics can continue to be that push that, that pushes our industry into thinking more, you know, about educating ourselves and others through the, that type of media. And, you know, overall, you know, there's a big desire for us to go big with OFO basics and, you know, what it's going to take for us to go to the next level. You know, there's, a lot of what I see in our future is is the video, uh, is the video, and of course the podcast as well. Uh, but especially, you know, videos. And we all like to learn, you know, that way, and you know, learn through online resource. But there's a, a huge lack uh, of that type of resource in our industry. Um, there's hardly anybody creating this type of content, and hardly anybody doing anything about it. But we all like to consume it. Um, and I can just see that from the content stuff, the videos that we do and post on LinkedIn, it's very well consumed and, and, and people really like them and, and benefit from them. Um, so that, you know, there's a strong desire uh, for people to, um, for, for that type of content. And one of the things I would like to do uh, is actually, and I think I've mentioned it on a, a previous podcast just briefly, is to actually bring on you know, students from across the country. So I, I can't really call myself a student anymore because I just graduated. But I still like that perspective. And I still uh, think that that type of perspective and, and, and that situation, both career wise and, and, you know, and scheduling and everything is very unique. Um, and I, I think that what, I, what we would like to do is actually, you know, gather, you know, a handful of students from across the entire country, arm them with, you know, the equipment, the videos, uh, help them out, help schedule things for them, you know, basically get them in doing shop tours, get them on location, uh, doing film, you know, basically just 
content, 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 getting them to help create content. Because uh, just the thought of Sebastian and I doing it all, that's not going to happen uh, on terms of a big scale. And so, you know, our vision for Ofa Basics pretty much from the beginning has been to be a platform um, where everybody can come together and share knowledge with each other, and especially visually and, you know, through podcasts, kind of more audibly, audible. <laughs> through listening, whatever whatever the the correct word would be there. I'm not an English major, nothing near close to it. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of the vision there. And you know, we, would, we would be looking for sponsors for that. So if you were, or probably your company <laughs> would be interested in sponsoring something like that, uh, that type of an initiative, empowering students and getting them the equipment to further you know education, educational resources in their industry, please reach out to reach out to me, and you know we definitely have some good discussions on that. Um, also, you know, in terms of the video, you know, if you guys are on site and even, even just a video on how a machine works, you know, like the, like a, um, a mud pump, (laughs) you know, even just, you know, for somebody who's never been on a rig, even just showing, uh, maybe, maybe it's the inside of it. Maybe you're doing a, a liner replacement or something, you know, something like that, or take a picture of it, stuff like that. Anything that you guys can do to actually help create content as well. And I'm hoping personally that we you know whenever I get to uh, my new location, whenever I, I move, I'm going to set up somewhat of a studio, a very nice workspace that allows me to do quick videos on a bunch of random topics to do as, as I can, as I see fit to help kind of push that movement. So like whenever I'm asking you guys if there's anything that you guys can do video wise to create, it's not, I'm not, <laughs> there's no expectation of extremely professional uh, content it, for us. And I think even for you guys too, and if you think about how you consume content, it's not so much the level of professionalism that you guys or even, you know, me, you, whatever, prefer it's the it's the content uh, it's not so much the quality or you know the fact that it, it has these really nice transitions and this really nice background and smooth crisp silk audio it's the content uh, that's what we're all looking for so there anything that you guys can do to get involved uh, we actually have a thing on our website uh, there's a page uh, where you can actually click on it and get involved and it'll even have a link you know if you guys have any photos or videos of basically anything that's even remotely educational you can actually drop it there uh, you can actually upload it there um, that gives us you know the ability to share it with others on our platform and get more eyes on it and, and really help everybody out so that's pretty much um, my rant for the day um, <laughs> and I'm recording this at midnight so my energy level is a little bit lower <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you guys sticking through on that the last thing I want to mention update wise is the specifics on the managed pressure drilling course so that is something that we are partnering with Avantage Energy. Uh, so there's there's this guy named uh, Hass uh, from Bahrain, and so <laughs> an international company. It's, it's really our first international um, collaboration. And what he's what 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 this guy does, he actually teaches an entire week long course on managed pressure drilling, and he and specifically in Houston or whatever he goes around to different companies, uh, different events and stuff, and he'll have a week long course. And it's, you know, on the magnitude of thousands of dollars. Well, and then, of course, in the topic, as I've already mentioned, is managed pressure drilling. So that's becoming, you know, more and more of a hot topic in our industry. More and more people are are starting to wonder whether or not that's something that their company can employ, how it works, how to design that type of system, and just understanding the terminology, all this kind of stuff. And instead of actually having to go to that course first, what we're doing with them is uh, actually doing a live short course. So on Wednesday of, of next week and Thursday of next week, and so that would be uh, the 5th and the 6th of June at 2 o'clock p.m., we're hosting the live short course, and it's going to be roughly an hour and a half, and he's going to be going over you know, how to identify candidates for managed pressure drilling uh, from, from well data. It's going to explain differences uh, between UBD and MPD techniques. Uh, so I'm, I've got a lot to learn there because I'm not even entirely sure what UBD stands for, but I'll learn. <laughs> and you know, he's going to be explaining reservoir geophysics and production engineering concepts. Uh, he's going to be going over variables related to single phase hydraulics, including back pressure. So that's obviously very critical um, if you're even remotely familiar with with managed pressure drilling and what the concept of that is. So we'll be going over you know some of the operational aspects in terms of the actual operation of managed pressure drilling on site. 
uh, going to be going over equipment uh, and, and tier levels, you know, how different tier levels of MPD. Uh, and also going to be explaining well control and influx management. So these are some of the things that, that he's wrote out for us that he's going to be covering. And that's just a short course, guys. So, you know, obviously, if, if this is a topic that interests you or your company, or even just out of personal curiosity for MPD, uh, we're actually hosting this live, like I said, Wednesday and Thursday. So you got two different days, two different opportunities to view it at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and we're going to be, we're offering that for just $100. And if you're even remotely, you know, uh, if you even heard of managed pressure drilling and know a little bit about the scope of that, in terms of actually doing that, that implementing that process and some of the, the cost savings and stuff that that process and, and the benefits that that process can have, $100 is literally a penny in the bucket. So <laughs> if you're even remotely interested in pursuing that topic or learning about it, that $100 is going to justify itself. And if you're not able to make the live course uh, or the live short course, we're actually going to uh, post the recording and stuff afterwards that will be available as well. But if you come live, you can ask questions and interact with them and everything and, and really get a more uh, true to actually being uh, there in person with them experience as, as possible. So uh, check that out. Our, all that information is on our site. I'll be posting stuff on our LinkedIn as well. So share that, you know, it with somebody else, you know, if, if you're not in drilling or don't have an interest in drilling, maybe one of your friends do let them know that that's going on. That, that is one of the few things that we have set a, a charge to. So most of the things that we do are, are, are free. We're more interested in, in building the audience, but something like this, uh, it's a very, very unique opportunity. And we're trying to get you guys um, the ability to, and, and myself even too, to learn about this this topic without paying you know thousands of dollars for the entire course yet. So, But of course, that is available, um, not through Oilful Basics at, at this point or anything, but you know um, that, that company that we're partnering with actually has you know that that week long managed pressure drilling course that I talked about earlier too. So keep that in mind. Anyway, so without further ado, thank you for <laughs> thank you for sticking through all of that. Without further ado, let's kind of start talking about workover and workover operations. So and and one of the things like I I wanted to put out an episode this week and I didn't have it was difficult to schedule a guest this week because of everything I had going on personally and also with the holiday and everything else. So I decided to you know basically kind of go over some of the things in regards to workover operations that you know I've um, rekindled up in my mind over a couple of things that I've been working on on the side over the last couple of weeks um, and also you know I you know <laughs> it's not enough to fill an entire episode so so that's why I fit in with this as well uh, you know 20 episodes in almost it's time for an update you know anyways and then uh, throw this in so. Without further ado, let's kind of talk about some groundwork. So if you're not familiar with work over operations in general, so, uh, well, first off, let me let me talk about kind of a little bit more of the perspective of why I'm talking about this now. So over the last couple of weeks, um, I've been helping out a small mom and pop, is what I call them, <laughs> basically a small operator um, here in locally uh, to where I live and also to the college uh, that I just graduated from. And so they basically own... All of their assets, all of their wells, and they, somewhere around 100 of them are all stripper wells, uh, so old stripper wells. And if you're not familiar with the term, I don't mean to shock you. <laughs> They're just low production wells. So you're talking now about wells that are drilled. Oh, goodness. In the, I'm sure there, there are some, well, early 1900s, uh, mid-1900s, late-1900s, typically, um, so they, they've been around. Uh, they're older than me for sure. <laughs> and um, they're a lot of times pretty depleted. So, and to be called a stripper, well, there's some sort of, uh, some people say it's like less than 10 barrels a day or something like that of production. I'm not entirely sure what um, criteria you subscribe to, but basically very, very little production. Uh, these particular wells, you know, you're talking maybe a couple, a couple hundred, uh, maybe a thousand for the entire field, you know, for a year or something like that. <laughs> so in terms of barrels of production, uh, so, but you know, with the low production also, you know, th there's low cost to maintain as well. So that's kind of the, the groundwork. So I've been helping out a, a small operator that has those type of assets and, you know, the cost structure for something like that is completely different. So if you're looking at an operator and there's a bunch of them, uh, specifically in Appalachia, I know for sure. I'm sure there's the same deal in in all of the other states that have a lot of activity. You you have these these players, the, these operators that have 
you know, a handful of wells, and they're not not producing a ton. And if you if you actually think about you know, the cost structure of all this and how they treat their assets, it's basically completely different to the shale ops typically. Um, just in the sense that you know it's low income, but it's also low cost. And lots of times, it's not so much that the economics are run on the projects to justify you know particular workovers or something like that, but you know more so for. Uh, to some extent, a hobby of the owners, uh, especially in this particular case, I think more, uh, more so. Um, but you know, anyways, that, that's kind of the background that prompted me to do this. And there was a um, one of the wells that I was helping with uh, was, was a plunger well, and this well had set idle for oh, I don't know, I, I would say on the magnitude of probably a handful of years, um, basically uh, not running uh, the plunger as should be. Uh, there was damages to the plunger equipment. Um, there was concerns uh, for the integrity uh, of the well if you were to actually run uh, the plunger in as well. So, you know, we did we did a, a work over on that well in particular, and you know, a couple other wells as well. Any and additionally, so that's basically what stirred up some of the, the basically my prompted me to do this conversation. Is you know I've been on work over workovers on you know the the. The um, high-pressured assets, the the shale wells from in multiple basins, and it, it's vastly different. But you know some of the things that you know, and just seeing this work over from start to finish, uh, and just some of the little things that are taken uh, into consideration in setting up the job and carrying out the job, I thought I'd kind of hit on. So <laughs> one of the things, um, again, if you're not so much familiar with what a work over even is, so the well has been drilled. It's been completed. Um, if you're talking more about a, a legacy asset or a stripper well, completion is completely different than you know you, uh, an, a um, shale. I keep wanting to say Utica asset, but <laughs> you know any type of shale asset, uh, the completions is typically very different. But anyways, regardless, so that well was originally put on production, and whenever a well is put on production, it's it's put on a production a particular way. So you leave certain equipment in the well or lack thereof. And your surface facility is set up a very particular way, but as that well produces uh, and the pressure declines, or you know you have a different need or something breaks, you're actually going to have to have an intervention. Some things, you know, maybe some things you can swap out on surface that would that would make a difference in the well. But a lot of times, you're going to at some point have to make some type of intervention into that well. So you're actually going to have to bring on a, a small a small workover rig and actually basically open up the well, call it. <laughs> and, and change out some parts. You're going to have to, you know, run, uh, you know, new equipment in, or whatever be the case. Or maybe you had an equipment failure, and you're going to replace things. You know, that's kind of the the, the reason why you have workover operations. So, eventually, you need to change the configuration of the well beyond the surface stuff, and that's when you would need a workover rig. So that's in the production phase of the well, and so common workover operations. And this is going to be a mix of, you know. Um, high pressure um, shale assets and also even conventional assets you're, you know rod lift um, if you have if you have a well and rod lift you know you're gonna have uh, if the pumps go bad or if it pump gets stuck or something regarding that pump needs replaced or pulled or whatever be the case parted rods just from a uh, rod on tubing wear of literally just cycling the system all day long or whatever be the case if you rub a hole in the tubing or you got a hole in the casing or some type of uh, breach in the casing or something um, you might have run a packer maybe uh, there's maybe you're expecting a failure to occur um, you're starting to see signs that uh, maybe a pump's going bad or something and you want to get it before it actually causes downtime or causes failures that would be harder to repair uh, maybe you're going to run in and replace a, a downhole tool or install a new downhole tool or maybe you're going to change type of artificial lift so all of those things you know in terms of you know work those are all reasons to have you know, work over rig come on site, and then there's a ton, you know, more. But those are just some of the bigger ones that came to my mind, and these are these are not costly in terms of you know the the, the large scale. So especially on the unconventional assets, the uh, shale assets, you know, you, you cost you millions and millions and millions of dollars to drill and complete and bring that well into production, and you're talking about a bill that's tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, depending on how intensive it is. Uh, as very small compared to the, the scope of actually creating and developing that well. But at the same time, once you're in that production phase, it's sometimes hard to justify that cost because you 
to do, you know, to actually do this all very responsibly and, and for the best for the company, you have to make sure that that job is going to justify the amount of money that you're going to spend to repair the well. So if you're talking about, okay, installing a certain type of artificial lift, you have to be able to justify that the uplift in production ensuing that installation is going to justify the cost of that installation, basically. Um, or if that failure, if, if you if you, if you got a 10-year-old um, Eagleford shale well and you have rod left in it and there's a hole in the tubing, so tubing would even be more expensive to pull and replace um, in terms of service cost on the uh, service rig, uh, you're going to have to justify whether or not whatever you think that that well can produce from that point on, whether that justifies that fix. Um, so that, that those types of analysis have to be done. That falls on the shoulders of the production engineer. Uh, just in case you're, you're not familiar with, with that either. Um, but so keep that in mind. And then also like um, work over rig stuff in, in general, um, in terms of the dangers, it, it I would view it as, as being, I don't know if it's the most dangerous, or probably not the most dangerous. I would say the most dangerous thing we do on um, shale wells is probably the drill out. Um, just because you're working on, you're working on a live well, same as you are with a workover operation, but um, at the same time, uh, is handled a little bit different. So with a workover rig, you are on a live well sometimes, um, and that that poses you know potentials for blowouts. So you're actually you know coming onto a well that was in production, and actually trying to enter it basically. And so you have to make sure that that well is not going to flow. Um, you, and even even if the well is even even if you've bloated down, and you've loaded it with brine, literally kill fluid and try to, to, to make sure that it won't flow. Literally, sometimes even stirring, uh, literally uh, messing with it can stir it up. Literally, so even you know pulling tubing and stuff, you can actually stir it up <laughs> in a sense and and cause gas to come out of solution or you know whatever be the case. Literally, there's a, there's a potential of blowouts, um, and, and because you are actually opening up the well, and at least for a portion of time, you wouldn't have uh, blowout preventers installed. So a couple of considerations there in terms of uh, safety and some of the dangers there, but of course workover operations happen, you know. All across, all across the country, you know, many, many, many times, <laughs> lots and lots of cases of this happening every day. So there are, you know, definitely ways to mitigate these dangers, and I'll hit on some of these. Um, but of course, too, you know, every every well is different, and a lot of times, you know, production wells, you know, if they're being worked over, they're 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 probably weaker, so you know, th they wouldn't um, be as likely to have a pressure release or something like that. But you know, you are on a, a well, a live well. So every every phase of development, you know, has has its risks and its and its uh, concerns. But so just wanted to mention that as well. Um, and so whatever you're doing, workover operations in general. Just another thing I want to mention in the forefront is you know a lot of companies, especially uh, those involved uh, with more of the high pressured assets, the the shale assets, unconventionals. You know they're going to require a, a two barrier or at least two barriers for safety. Um, so you know, your your blowout preventers on site. So once you get them installed, and also like your kill fluid. So at all time you have to have two safety barriers, um, and that's something that's becoming more and more prevalent in terms of actually what the companies require for workover operations to ensue. So uh, with that said, uh, let's kind of talk about prep. So this is. This is specifically what prompted me to kind of hit on these things today because these are things that I had forgotten about and just to some of the depth. So before you even bring in a workover rig on, to, on on site, so you definitely have to gather the information on the well. So going over, you know, obviously what the depths are, what pressures you expect, what the pressure is on the well then, what it's been historically, uh, what tools are in the hole, you know, is there is there a rabbit? <laughs> just sitting in there, uh, waiting that could potentially be blown out, you know, once you start stirring it up, um, you know, what type of, you know, profile nipple, nipples are in there for, you know, if you're doing a artificial lift install, you know, what type of, you know, what you're working with, you know, what sizes the, the casing is, what size the tubing is, what thread type, that's another thing that I had forgotten about, and it's, it's, it's easy to forget about unless you're actually involved with, <laughs> with the operations or see this kind of stuff day to day, is all the different thread types, and especially on um, the stuff that, like I said, I've been involved with recently, like the very, like the legacy, the old stuff, the conventional stuff, you know, those all have different threads than what we would commonly use today, uh, just the, the difference in, in, in preference and technology, 
and a zine over you know the last couple decades um and also you know the wellhead components what what wellhead components are on there what their age is um is there anything else that should get replaced while you're on that well um is there anything that should get swapped out and of course again is the cost justifiable um, the other type of, you know, another thing you have to do like prep wise before you actually ensue these operations, you know, gather tools. So, you know, ensure you got the correct threads and ensure you got, you know, if, if you need multiple threads, you know, the crossover nipples and stuff to actually, to make sure the threads match. Um, if your threads don't match, you're going to have a hard time doing any work. Um, also, you know, the new pieces you're going to replace, you have to make sure you have all those together. And of course, like common tools, just you know, for again, people who are not familiar with uh, some of these operations, uh, hammers, obviously, uh, non-sparking, uh, preferably, <laughs> extremely, extremely preferably, um, and, and some companies will require that as well. Uh, but it's still mostly operator or contractor specific in terms of what they require. Uh, lubricants, you know, pipe dope, uh, whatever it is that it's called that you literally spray on the the threads to help something kind of get unstuck to, to literally take it off easier or to put it on easy like <laughs> whatever that spray is called that's very helpful um, and used a good bit you know pipe wrenches um, and you know even some of the things in terms of the actual work over rig parts like the elevators you're making sure that those are the correct size the ele elevators are actually what uh, specifically on, on, I'll just say for tubing you know, actually grabs around the tubing to actually lift it and remove it out of the well um, portion or um, stand by stand or uh, joint by joint um, you know, and also like blow down lines. So if you're going to have to blow down the pressure on the well, uh, you make sure you have that kind of stuff. The TIW valve, so that's something you'll put on top of the tubing that will actually stop uh, pressure being released. So if, if you have some type of a, a blowout through the tubing, uh, that's a, basically something you can stab onto uh, the top joint to actually be able to shut the well in uh, through the tubing. So then, of course, blowout preventers. Um, and um, another thing, you know, it, it would be prepping the location this is something that you know, <laughs> I, I took for granted and just some uh, general thoughts about workovers uh, we don't see this as much on you know like the unconventional assets because they have typically large pads um, very stable that kind of stuff but on the conventional legacy kind of stuff you'll and, and the stripper wells especially they're very remote locations uh, so making sure that the rig can get in and out uh, you might have to clear down some trees might literally have to get a bulldozer uh, to clear the the access road back um, out so the the rig can get in you might have to have a bulldozer or tractors or whatever be the case to literally bring in the rig uh, safely um, and also remove it <laughs> so uh, that that's another thing and also you know ensuring that the, the workover rig has stable ground uh, that workover rig is going to have a lot of weight hung off of it uh, whenever you're actually trying to pull you know, like the tubing or the rods or whatever be the case, uh, the actual work that you're going to be doing on the well, it's going to have a lot of, of, of weight on that. So you have to make sure that the ground is stable. And of course, with that as well, once you extend, you know, the mast of it or, or the derrick on it, have to make sure that, you know, you have that actually, um, you have, have lines that, that go from that, the mast to, you know, places on location. So if you're, if you're remote on these um, conventional assets, might be tying it to trees, you might be driving stakes in the ground, might be tying it to other equipment, or whatever be the case, so literally make sure that, that the mast is, is not going to be swaying, is not gonna bend uh, once you put that type of weight on it. Um, and of course, you have to make sure that the, that the rig is centered over the, the wellhead. Um, just, if not, that's gonna cause you all kinds of, of issues. And aside from that, you know, actually prepping the well, uh, so that this is a big one as well. <laughs> especially um, in terms of uh, pressure and ensuring that it's safe to work on. So like I said, it's production well. So it, it has, you know, and this is going to be very well specific, whether it's been in production like that same day, the day before, or whether it's been off production for a year um, and waiting on the rig, whatever be the case, making sure that, you know, pressure is blown off of it because uh, on a vast majority of work over operations, you are basically going to be, opening that well up um, so there's there's you, know, you need to relieve that pressure before you start unscrewing <laughs> you know actually dismantling the wellhead and everything so it literally wouldn't blow um, the caps off at you or whatever piece uh, it is that you're removing now uh, blow down that that pressure you know load it with kill fluid whatever it takes um, sometimes especially on, on something that's a little bit um, older you might just be able to 
blow it down, uh, relieve the pressure off of it, and you know let it set for maybe a couple hours, maybe a couple of days, whatever be the case, or till you know you have confidence that that well is not going to flow on you. Um, some you know, the higher pressure assets and stuff like that, you might load with a brine uh, to make sure that it's not going to flow. Uh, that would be especially more common on something like a rod lift well where it's very easy to remove that brine or whatever it is that you would be loading the well with. And, and basically, and if that principle is not familiar to you. That's basically just adding a hydrostatic pressure um, through, through the well so that it actually it, it applies a hydrostatic pressure on the formation, uh, which is, is basically the same thing as a back pressure. So it's not going to, that, that reservoir isn't going to be provide having an influx into the well uh, producing into the well so you don't have to worry about the well flowing on you um, another thing you know in terms of you know, prepping the well make sure that the, the flow lines are disconnected uh, any type of flow line from the wellhead to the tanks or any type of surface equipment uh, you might have to protect other surface equipment other wells on site uh, make sure that those are protected as you bring in the you know the rig uh, make sure it has whatever room it needs, and of course, you know, coming and the last thing I wrote down, of course, you know, this is just things that I thought of, you know, scheduling multiple parties, and <laughs> I don't actually mean uh, parties, but you know, just uh, different, whether it's different contractors or you know, different uh, individuals or groups to be on site, you know, just coordinating all of that, um, making sure you have all the equipment and, and everything that you need, uh, specifically on workover rig. Sometimes, like the um, tanks, might be a third party. Or maybe the uh, blow-up preventers is a third party. Uh, you know, whatever be the case, making sure that all of those things are scheduled on the same date and organized. And so the next thing I pretty much have in terms of workovers is kind of talking through the operation. So a lot of that was prep. Um, and then so with operationally, uh, one thing I'll just mention from just you know some of the, the jobs that I've been on, it, it's very... And, and this can apply to the entire industry and probably every single industry on, on earth <laughs> is you're just having a, a, a clear plan and not being afraid to stop and discuss um, at any point during the operation, uh, not to get in a hurry and ensure that communication is clear on procedures. And especially if, if you're following a rent procedure, uh, there is a lot of acronyms involved, especially on the workover side of the industry. So if you're actually reading a procedure, there is a lot of acronyms used. So making sure you understand what those are meaning, the intentions. Um, and also, one of the things that I, I try to be aware of, and it's hard to do this you know, every single minute, every single second, but it, basically anybody on site should be trying to do so. Is to always, you know, be thinking of, you know, where the forces are, you know, what's intention, what could break, <laughs> you know, consider where you're standing, consider where your hands are, you know, what vulnerabilities you have at the moment in case something happens. So a lot of times, you know, on workover rigs, you're you're coming in to repair something. Typically, uh, maybe you're doing an install, something like that. But uh, regardless, you know, especially if you're repairing something on a well, you know, maybe something stuck. Um, or maybe something is weakened uh, just from wear and uh, just being in there for a while. And literally as you're pulling on it and pulling force, you know, at any point anything could break, uh, fall down hole, that <laughs> wouldn't be a good day. Uh, you'd have a lot more of a job on your hands to deal with uh, if that happens in particular. But even things on the surface, um, even, you know, surface cables can, can could snap. I haven't really heard of, you know, any of these things being too prevalent. Uh, but definitely, you know, anytime you're dealing with, all that force and all that weight and stuff, and and that that translates to all the other sides of the industry as well. The drilling, especially, um, deals with that that same issue, or that same concern, um, completions in their own respect, and then also uh, work over or um, drill out operations, uh, especially as well. So, uh, really, uh, that's for the entire industry, but it, you know, especially on um, work over operations as well, and. You know, another thing to think of operation uh, in terms of actually carrying out the operations, you know, is what do, what do you do if you have a pressure release? Um, if, if, if you actually get gas at surface or if the well starts flowing or something like that because it's hard, maybe because it's in that uh, part where it's hard to contain. So literally as you're dismantling your wellhead, there, there's a amount of time between when you're actually, when you completely remove all of the, the valves and the barriers that you had on site um, until you can install your blow-up preventers, and so you know there's that gap, and also even you know whenever you're pulling, let's say you're pulling rods while your tubing is open, 
uh, to the atmosphere, open open to the the rig floor, basically. So, you know, if something would would kick off or stir up the well or something um, unforeseen and cause a pressure release, you know, that that those are the videos you see on, on YouTube and sometimes even LinkedIn that the safety guys share, whatever be whatever be the case. Um, of the roughnecks up there trying to stab on this joint of pipe um, on a well that's flowing through the tubing. So that that type of situation, you know, are you going to stab on the the TIW valve? And that's something that I would actually like to have a conversation with. Um, maybe a consultant on the workover side is to kind of get an idea of, you know, what specifically um, they they tell the workers on this uh, if this were to happen. But one thing I, I have been made aware of is, you know, if that even uh, starts to happen. First off, you're trying to stab on um, the TIW valve, which is basically just a, a ball valve on the end of a joint of tubing. And you're trying to stab it on to whatever um, the, the top joint of tubing is in your well that it's flowing through <laughs> and literally trying to swing it over and screw it in while the well is flowing on you. Um, and that's no simple task by any means. Um, and there's actually a risk, and I didn't realize this until just recently, but of the, you know, the fluid actually getting injected into, through your skin into your body. Um, and I've actually never heard of that actually that happening, but I know that it is a risk because you could be dealing with you know um, something that's flowing and it has hundreds of you know pounds of pressure on it, uh, maybe even maybe thousands uh, depending on you know the well. But you know uh, these types of you know things you, you'd have to think through before you actually embark on on the procedure. Make sure the crew's all on the same uh, page for that. And 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 not to say that blowouts happen on you know, every single workout or workover procedure. Um, it's not near that common. Uh, but you know, just just some considerations. I'm just giving you food for thought here. If you're not familiar with with this part of the industry, and like I said, you know, there's a lot of ways we mitigate this. A lot of ways that you know we ensure that that doesn't happen. And there's a lot of ways to monitor for flow uh, before whatever get to the point that point. So um, don't <laughs> don't take that and run with you know that blowouts are, are incredibly prevalent on workover operations. These are just some of the again some of the thoughts that I had uh, that I that I thought I would share just give give perspective on this topic so um so let, on the work over operation side just general process so again this is going to be very dependent on what the job is so if you're installing um, let's say you're installing tubing uh and maybe you're installing a rod lift system so you're running it with rods and a pump um or whether you're replacing maybe you've got parted rods and you could pull out so much, you know, from surface, and the rest of them are literally have, have literally fell into the tubing. Um, and so you have to do like what they call stripping jobs. So <laughs> all these interesting terms. Anyways, um, it's going to completely depend on what the job is. Uh, but in general, obviously, you know, move move in the rig, uh, rig it up, ensure it's centered on the well, connect the pumps, the flow lines, the tanks, whatever be the case. Um, make sure the guide wires are installed. You know, release the pressure off the well. Make sure there's no flow tear down the wellhead and get to the necessary components. Um, at some point, uh, you'll probably install a BOP unless it's a very, very low-pressured asset or you're not worried about that well flowing on you. Um, otherwise, a lot, a lot of companies are going to be installing uh, blowout preventers. And of course, you know, actually you know, pulling the tubing or pulling the rods, whatever be the case, the actual procedure, uh, retrieving or installing the components. And during that time, you know, Obviously, looking at the condition of, of downhole tools, you, know, you might find out you know, if you're pulling uh, tubing or even rods um, or whatever be the case, you, you can often see, okay, well, this well has a lot of paraffin or you know, it experiences paraffin between this depth um, or this is you know, how it's a serious paraffin issue or it's got scale or you can even tell where the fluid levels are. Uh, you can see where you know, things start getting wet as you're pulling the tubing out or the, the rods or whatever be the case. Um, and, and of course, uh, once once all of that is done, you know, and, and throughout it, you know, make sure you know as you're doing that, consider the condition of the tools. Like I said, some things might need replaced that you even uh, weren't even planning on doing, but you have a lot of things firsthand that you're seeing that otherwise you wouldn't have seen. Um, also, you know, so once the actual that work is done, whatever it is you're trying to do in that well, you know, reassembling the wellhead, maybe testing the, for functionality. Of, you know, if you installed a pump. Um, or whatever be the case, uh, and, all, and also your, your tree, uh, your, your production tree that you put back on it, making sure that everything functions well. And, and so that, that's very, very high-level process um, from my perspective, just trying to, you know, if you're not familiar with that part of the industry, um, 
And of course, there is still a lot of room to talk about workover operations with future guests. So if if you are a consultant on the workover side or have anything to do with the workover and you stayed through this entire episode, first off, I applaud you because <laughs> you're probably thinking thinking of all the ways I butchered it all, or all the additional things that you could have said. You know, there's a lot of topics, a lot of, we could get very, very specific. We could talk about very specific jobs. We could talk about that, that stripping, uh, the job that I talked about. Uh, where you have parted rods and how you handle that. We can talk about the very particular types of tools that are ran, that are used, um, you know, what you do to, to make sure that the pressure or you're not, you're not, you're not going to have flow or what you would do if you handle that scenario or what you would, how you would handle that scenario if you ran into it. So there's a lot, a lot of the topics that we can still cover on the workover side. So, and maybe I can help, uh, maybe I can get more lined up on this topic in the future, but this is just something, some of the things that I've, that have been going through my mind and hopefully um, will help you guys out uh, if, if you're not familiar with that aspect of the industry. But again, thanks so much for listening. Um, this is the, that's the first time that I have actually given the, the full podcast, basically besides episode zero, where we just talked about, oil food basics and everything that we're trying to do, but it's the first time that I've actually taught a topic or, or tried to um, share a perspective on a topic um, for the entire episode. So basically it was my own guest. So it's super weird for me. <laughs> so don't worry. Next episode, we're going to get back on schedule with uh, real guests, I'll call them. Um, so keep, uh, so look forward to, to that. That'll be next week. We'll be uh, coming out with that, uh, getting back on track. So Thanks again for listening and please be sure to leave us a review. Um, follow us on social media, especially leave us a review on the podcast app that you listen to uh, that helps other people follow us and we'll, we'll read them on, on air. And uh, thank you guys for them. Um, unless they're a one star, then I might not be thanking you too much, but <laughs> we'll take your feedback and, and apply it. So uh, please get, go out there and, uh, and, and rate us and, and help share it with others. And like I said, follow us on social media and, and see all of our, our posts and upcoming videos that we'll, that we'll be posting in the next couple of weeks. So thanks again. And again, I want to remind you of the Manage Pressure Drilling Live Short Course next week, the 5th and the 6th, Wednesday and Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, please consider registering, uh, tell your friends otherwise, and hopefully uh, see you on there. And again, reach out, to, reach out to me if you have any questions on that, or if you would even like to you know, get lined up to be a guest or you have questions about sharing videos or want to know how you can get involved, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. But thanks again, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care.